Welcome to Green and Gold Rugby Podcast 201. Your host, uh, Matt Rowley, here with you tonight. Uh, we had a week where the uh, Rebels rolled the Reds. Uh, we had the Brumbies uh, toughing it out against a, a force. Um, but look, this week, uh, we're going to take things a little bit differently and we're going to tackle what we think are the five burning questions in uh, Australian rugby right now. Uh, number one, should the Western Force move to Western Sydney? Number two, can the Reds actually turn it around now? Number three, is it going to have to take boardroom dramas to bring it down the Brumbies? They seem pretty unstoppable otherwise. Number four, are the Thunderbolts, who's that you ask? Are they the real deal? And number five, the shoot versus the ARU, has this blown over or have we got more to come? Stay tuned for the answers. Okay, so question number one, should the Western Force move to Western Sydney? Now, this was something that uh, kicked off this week. Hugh, did you uh, read much about this as well? Uh, yeah, I did. It's, it's an interesting issue. It, it, it's kind of been, been a few little perspectives on it. Um, and it's, it's been one of those issues, I suppose, um, that has been forced, a discussion that's been forced by the Western Force, so to speak, um, having a couple of years of, of pretty poor form and this year looking like it's going to be another year down the bottom end of the table, even if they did put up a pretty decent fight against against a good Brumbies team. Um, yeah, it look, it's an interesting one, Matt. I don't know what your take is, but, uh, I mean, my, my perspective is as much as, um, you know, the force are battling over there, the crowds are still pretty decent and I'm not sure West Sydney can accommodate a second team. I mean, the, the Tars struggle to get any numbers, you know, anything above sort of 17,000, 18,000. Um, and I, I think a second team in Western Sydney, as much as it's a big population base, it, it, it doesn't seem uh, like there would be a massive crowd out there for it, considering the Waratahs struggle as it is. Well, look, I guess what kicked this all off this week was that Greg Harris, who's the outgoing CEO of the Waratahs and who was the CEO of the, Perth, of, 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 uh, the Western Force, um, you know, he was all over the papers, and, and this is a quote from him. He was saying here, look, not even the NRL has a national footprint. They tried Adelaide, they tried Perth, but couldn't make it work. So what makes you think that the AAU has the capacity to do it? It doesn't, he said. And by the way, I struggle to think that these are actual real quotes from him because there's no C-bombs in here. If you've ever had a chat with Greg, um, you know, he, he, he likes to throw a few around. And then he says, and if you look at a small marketplace like Perth, there's a lot of good people and a lot of capable people, but the true fact of the matter is whether or not it has the economy to be able to underwrite a club is another thing. If you're in a business mode, you work to your strengths, and strength is the marketplace on the East Coast. So I guess what he's saying, I mean, I hear what you're saying, Hugh, um, but, you know, here's the thing, at the end of the day, I mean, so what, Perth has just had to hand in its IP, whatever that means, um, for 800 grand uh, for a little bailout from the ARU. Um, they haven't, I don't think, been able to break even sort of, sort of since they kind of got going um, sort of, you know, bar the uh, firepower um, so I think this kind of raises a bigger question, which is, 
you know, does super rugby make sense? So we keep expanding this thing. Um, we've said that it needs to be a national footprint, but the truth is none of these teams can make money. Um, we know the Rebels aren't either. It's just that it's a, somebody's own back pocket that's kind of swallowing that one up. Um, we know the Tars are probably going to struggle this year. There's stories about the Reds as well, and we know the Brumbies haven't made money since 2000 or haven't broken even since 2011. So I guess the bigger question here is, does this Super Rugby setup even make sense? Um, Steve, have you got a, a take on this one? It's quite interesting that um, this has been talking about. Like, I guess trying to make it a national game and having Perth, I guess, uh, getting in ahead of Melbourne at the time because Melbourne was um, a big contender at the time so they went with uh, Perth I guess just for the money grab with that extra time zone for the TV deal so I guess it's been what 10 years now the, the force have been around and uh, lots of things have happened in Perth like firepower as you mentioned and the mining boom which seems to be slowing down a bit now so um, is maybe their little I don't know, entree of it has, it has it ended as well they're not really sure what to do next so I just think that Extra time zone there was was what they were looking for in terms of big money, and it's obviously not working as well as they would have wanted. Mm. I mean, Hugh, I know that, for example, when we've had our recent stash about uh, Clive Rugby, one of your big things was, well, guys, what are we doing to develop rugby in Western Sydney? And I guess the counter-argument to yours is to say, well, look, if you stuck a super rugby team there, um, you'd certainly be stimulating some interest. You don't, you don't think that holds water? Oh no, yeah, it would stimulate interest. It'd be it'd be um, great. I, I don't think the um, I, I think the same. You'd face probably a lot of the similar problems that the force face in, the, in, the, in that it'd be an expansion team, and you think the talent's probably spread a bit too thin. Uh, it wouldn't be successful certainly in its early years. You would think uh, crowds would be low. I, I can't see it being um, you know a massive financial success either. Um, you know the Perth. Perth's, massive, Perth's biggest issue, I think, is 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 a, just a lack of success on the field, and it has been for what the, the seven or eight years it's been in the comp now, and that's all born out of the fact that it's it's so far from the eastern seaboard where a lot of the talents developed. So hang on, um, let and, me stop you there. So let me jump in. So, but don't you see the inconsistency of what you've just said? And I was about to I was about to point that. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I, I realise that. Because if you talk um, to anyone, so I've sat down with Greg Harris uh, myself, and he said, "Look, mate, the biggest problem you've got is you're on the other side of the country. So trying to lure people, and these are all people who play on the eastern east coast, most of them actually in the Shoot Shield, um, or you know, in, in New South Wales, it's where they've kind of grown up. So trying to get them to go all the way across there, and it was one thing when there was oodles of cash." you know, flying around with firepower. But, um, you know, since that's gone, it's, it's, a, it's a real struggle. And because of that, you then can't, you know, you can't get the results and the rest follows on from what you say. I think, I think the bigger argument is, is if Australia has the capacity for five teams at all. I think it's four teams. And, it's, mm. and, and if you were to abolish the force, I don't think you'd create a team somewhere else, um, as I said, because I think you'd face a lot of the similar issues. I, but, I, you know, they still pull a pretty good crowd, the force. I mean... It, and they certainly, you know, have supported that team well over, over over the history of it. I mean, considering their lack of success, they've never made the finals, and they're still pulling over ten thousand, you know, eleven thousand people, which is not that much less than what the Waratahs and the Brumbies can pull. I mean, the Brumbies pull about that most weeks as well. So, mm. and your argument about you know their, their financial struggles, well, it's a it's a problem across all sports, to be honest. It's it's a it's a massive question across you know rugby league teams, A league teams. Uh, AFL teams as well. Some are, uh, you know, are still absolutely rock bottom financially. Um, it's it's a massive issue, I know, and I think 
there's there's arguments for and against. I I, I struggle to see to, to to really sort of come down in either camp because I see the merits of both arguments. I I more think being a Tars fan that uh, it's a pretty fickle market and I'm not sure Western Sydney is there quite yet with the base, but. Who knows? Maybe maybe it would be a success. You never know. Mm. I mean, I I guess a lot of this would be more around, you know, if you can make a team that can work. So for, take the Brumbies, seen as a successful provincial side, yet like you say, um, you, know, you know, it probably brings, you know, crowds that are in the, the low teens um, sort of thing. So it's not necessarily the crowd that's the judge here. And I guess the bit with the force is, you know, they, they're still struggling, you know, whatever it is, 10 years on. Um, and we're still getting no closer to sort of the, the top of the heap. Um, so how long do you just keep going for? I mean, just to take it to that bigger question is just, it's back to that thing to me is what are we in this for, this whole super rugby thing anyway? Maybe this is a question for another night where we get even bigger, but it's just sort of like just making this thing bigger and bigger and bigger. Isn't it just getting unwieldy? Um, and, you know, to the point where like this last weekend, I don't know how many games of rugby, there was only two for us that was that were worth, worth watching that you could kind of, I mean, you know, kind of get, get your head around. Um, you know, we're back to, I mean, I guess they've tried to make more derbies, but then the other games that aren't in the derbies now just are so far away in different time zones and the whole different conferences and all sorts of things. It almost doesn't seem related. Um, do you think we've stretched it too far, Steve, or, or does it mean the same thing for you? I mean, I remember back to the old days, you know, where was it super, where did it start? Was it super nine, super, super, super ten, six, wasn't it? Then ten. Yeah, so, I mean, and that's yeah. when it was the hardcore top teams, wasn't it? It was like that exotic conference that's that you know competition that started, and I don't know what you know where we're at now. I mean, where are you at with it, Stu? Yeah, like as you all know, we're pretty keen rugby fans, but I've this expansion just seems a bit lost for me. Um, are they going into the right markets? Maybe, maybe not. And the fact they've resurrected the Kings in South Africa again, and with all the debacle they've had over there, trying to get a team going or a squad. Or, management fighting with uh, South African rugby. Um, it just seems a little bit ridiculous. I think they may be gone too much too soon. Argentina was probably a good uh, way to get it up and running, like um, mm. recruiting most of their test team. Uh, you know, and you look at the Sunwolves as well. Like they've got to play – they played their home game against the Cheetahs in Singapore. So, you know, it's pretty hard to sell memberships. Um, if people have to fly four hours to get there or whatever it is to get there to make it a spectacle of that nature. Mm. Yeah, no, it seems to be getting a bit crazy. Anyway, look, I'm not sure how well we've answered the specific question of should the Western Force move to Western Sydney, but I I, I think that issue in itself is just raising bigger questions about this whole um, super rugby and what it's all about. Okay, Just just on that, just Mm. quickly adding, um, where would they likely to be playing out in Western Sydney? There's another... Fight. I know there's two reasonable size stadiums out there with Parramatta and and Penrith. If you wanted to go out that far, mm. um, so there's another another debate there. Where do we play? Because you know, ANZ is too big, I would say, for um, that sort of that sort of game. Yeah, I think isn't there discussion? I think the NRL was talking about um, developing a stadium out there as well, weren't they? Well, um, they're, just, they're, they're they're doing a knock they're doing a knockdown rebuild of Parramatta Stadium, so I imagine. You know, if we're talking five years' time, which is what this debate essentially is, given the the agreement, I think locks the force in until 2021. Mm. Um, I think there'll be a new Parramatta Stadium by then, so that would be a logical place for them to be. I think. Yeah. All right. Okay. So, question number two then for tonight: Can the Reds turn it around, Hugh? 
I, I'm not sure. I mean, if you asked me a week ago, I would have given you a big, loud no. Um, but after watching last week, you know, maybe there's a chance. Um, I still think they probably are in for a really lean season. But can they win three or four games? Yeah, I think they. I think they can. The evidence on on um, Saturday night against the against the um, against the Rebels was that they've got a bit of fight in them. And, and look, they couldn't close it out in the end. And that, a bit of in, plenty of inexperience on show there. Mm. But um, you know, if James Slipper comes back, if they get you know a few, you know, Liam Gill's the other big one. I think if you can get a few more of those game changers, those blokes that can that turn those little moments around, they've got enough talent there. Carmack Hunt is a good player. Etona Bully had a great game, I thought. I like Nick Frisbee as well. Um, and, you know, they've got Hendrik Tui. They've got a couple of really good goers in that forward pack. You know, if, if they get a South African team or, or, you know, another team that turns up and is slightly off their game, I think they're probably good enough to, to make it happen. But mm. um, confidence is probably a big issue at the moment as well. I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess the question is, is that really turning it around or is that kind of limping through a bit? Um, yeah, well, I, 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 I'm turning it around. Yeah. I think most people would say turning it around means you might have a shot at, you know, getting towards the top of the table in some way. And um, I think what we're talking about here is maybe they'll have a chance of not wooden spooning it. Um, yeah. Steve, what do, you, what do you think? Yeah, there were a couple of glimpses of, um, you know, post-coach sacking effort there, I guess, the other night. But I don't know if that was more against the Rebels having coming back from South Africa and not having a great second half there. But I think if the Reds are going to do anything this season, um, they really need to do it now. Because I'm just having a look at their next run of games. So they've got um, three games at home in a row, but they're up against Auckland, the Waratahs. They've got the week off and then the Highlanders. So that's um, not an easy group of matches. But if they, they're they going to be at home, they can maybe get a bit of bonding together, a bit of um, understanding with the two co-interim head coaches. I think I've got that right mm. set up. Um, so, yeah, it's either now or never, I think, for the Reds. I mean, look. I think a better question out of Saturday is, you know, can the rebels can the rebels actually challenge for the top spot? Because I don't know, they were they were pretty average as well. They got out to a big lead, but fell in a massive heap in that second half. Yeah, I gotta say the back end of that game was not pretty watching, was it? It was just two teams kind of doing their best to not win. <laughs> um, was kind of the best way I I could kind of describe that one. Um, it wasn't pretty. I mean, with the with the Reds though, it just feels like you know. I think like Nick Styles, some stage of the last couple of years, decided, okay, obviously this whole thing's going to a hell in a handbasket, so I'm just going to do scrum practice um, for the next two years with these guys. And obviously that's made a big, big impact. But there's just nothing outside of it, is there? And I guess you can understand that with the number of with the sort of talent that's that's kind of left that back line. But um, it's just. I don't know. There's just, like you say, there's just so much inexperience there, which really showed um, in that you know last part of the match when they had that much ball and that much territory, but just couldn't make it happen. Um, but just turning back to the rebels there, uh, Steve, what do you reckon? Can I, I was kind of hoping and kind of half tipping them this year that they might be able to make the step on. Are they going to be able to? I, I thought that second half maybe said not. Yeah. Well, t- to be fair, in the rebels' defence, they've got a pretty tough. Draw. Draw to the start of the season. Um, you know, this week no no easier heading off to Tokyo to play the Sunwolves. So I don't know. Maybe that first few games is the travels catching up with them, and maybe once they've got that out of the way, they might come home with a wet sail. I don't know. But um, just looking at their draw as well. Um, next three games: Sunwolves, Highlanders, Waratahs. So it's not easy for them either. But uh, you know, like 
that second half, like you said, they really dropped off. So hopefully that's just a, a bit of a blip and not a, um, a sign of things to come for their season. Mm. Okay. Well, look, the third thing we wanted to talk about then was uh, kind of going back to the Aussie conference leaders here. Um, and what's it going to take to slow them down? So the question here is, is it going to take boardroom dramas to bring down the Brumbies? Everything else seems to be rolling on for them. Uh, but it's not all, you know, it's not all happy families uh, back at the ranch, is it, Steve? So just... Give us the background, because this has been something has been, I think, has been rumbling since the back end of last year, um, and has kind of snuck up on everybody. What's just going on there? It sounds like is it Michael Jones, the, the CEO, sounds like he's um, having a bit of a tough time. Yeah, um, last three months or so have been quite interesting for Brumby CEO. Um, there's been a couple of incidents. Well, what, well, how could I describe it? So it all started with the uh, Stephen Moore announcing that he was going to the Queensland for the 2017 season and a fairly strongly worded uh, statement came out from him regarding that. Slash tantrum. <laughs> well, oh yeah, pretty much. And then uh, there's some other goings on there. So the, the Brumbies, uh, for those who aren't familiar there, um, got their training base at the University of Canberra in a, a, a partnership there. So there's uh, the Vice-Chancellor of the University of Canberra had um, explored legal options for defamation, I think it was, for something that, that happened. Um, and no one's really said what that was. So that was kept a bit quiet for a while. But it uh, sounds like it was, I mean, uh, there was some, there's been a couple of articles in the Canberra Times, which I think that's aimed at Michael Jones, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I think he actually got the letter for defamation. Yes. Whatever what it was for, we're not quite sure. Yeah. It's, I've, I've, it was a little while ago when they had both, both parties on and they... Um, or at least one, I think Jones was on there at least. Um, they and they wouldn't obviously discuss it since it was legal. But um, so I'm not quite sure what what's brought that on. But the, and then there was the David Pocock uh, contract issue where he was fairly adamant that it was either you, you play next year or you're not playing here again. But that softened quite a bit. So I think maybe someone, maybe ARU or someone else there, just gave him a tap on the shoulder and said you might want to just you know calm down a bit bit here so there's a little bit going on um it seems a bit like there's where there's smoke there's fire like i said it's been about three months and these things are being brought up and but they're being denied so but that doesn't mean anything i guess Mm. i mean have you heard much about michael jones i mean i don't know absolutely nothing about the guy um is he known as some sort of a a shit kicker or something because he seems to be kind of getting up the nose of of a few different people i mean what's his reputation um well I don't think he was until recently, so I don't know what's hap- what started it off. There was the AGM last year where there were um, rumours of a of a change. Uh, there were some moves made in the background to maybe challenge uh, at the AGM, which didn't come to fruition. So uh, maybe that has has set him off. I, I really don't know, but there's like there's a lot of things happening, and I think maybe he's feeling the pressure because there's a lot of um, players already indicating their intentions for next season. Uh, Stephen Moore for one, Pocock in the mix, and Matt Tamura and a few others have also uh, said they're going. So mm. I don't know, maybe he's feeling the pressure. I, I'm not sure, but it is, you know, it's a tough market down here to, to get a decent crowd, as you mentioned earlier. So we had you know, 20,000 to the Waratahs game, but um, they've been trying for, for years to come up with something different to get decent crowds in. Um, some things are out of his control, like a, a new stadium, which would be funded by the government, but there's another issue there with the funding not coming um, coming forward for that. So 
yeah, it's just an interesting time. So, but like I said, with there's smoke, there's fire. There could be something happening soon. Okay. Um, Hugh, uh, having said all that, I mean that's about probably the, the the best insider info you'll get on what's going on down there. Uh, do you think this can can this knock the Brumbies off their stride? Can anything? Well, I mean, taking a history lesson in the Brumbies, they, I think they thrive on this drama. I remember the uh, 2004 season when David Nusafora was having backroom battles with George Gregan and some of the other players. Um, so they've got they've got form for for dealing with it pretty well. Are the Brumbies? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, I don't think, judging by Stephen Moore's form in the early weeks, I don't think that's getting to him at all. It's the, almost the best I've ever seen him play. It's fantastic. Mm. Um, and look, they they were pretty clinical in the way they put away the force. They probably could have could have won by by a few more, but they you know a win away from home is a win away from home. So um, I think they're they're on a pretty good solid march to the finals, and, and they'll, they'll drop a few games between now and then for sure. But uh, I think injuries are probably probably a, a bit of a worry for them with a couple of key guys that are pretty injury prone. You know, David Pocock. Still got those those issues that he's always had, and Matt Tamur and, and Leo Lafano are both um, both spent plenty of time in the injury ward over the past few years. Um, so you know, there's there's the key spine of the team that that they need to keep healthy. But I think if if they can do that, then um, yeah, look, the, the, I don't think there's much stopping them for, to taking the Australian Conference out. That's for sure. Okay, right. So on to number four then. Are the Thunderbolts the real deal? So. And just to help those listeners, like probably 95% of the rugby population, asking who the hell are the Thunderbolts? Because you wouldn't know because no one, including the ARU or anyone calls them this, they are our sevens rugby side. And I would love to know where the hell that name came from. It seems to... um, Our our naming process usually needs to have something to do with one of our sort of native animals. Um, But uh, in this case, it's the Thunderbolts um, for the seven side. Anyway, look, we've just recorded our sort of third straight top three uh, position in uh, one of the World Rugby Series. So in Vancouver, where we, I think we tied up, we sealed up third place, uh, beating Fiji, having been knocked out by the Kiwis in the semi-final. Um, So look, you know, I think it's put us fourth on the overall standings. Um, so we are in and with, I think it's 90 points. Um, ahead of us is New Zealand at 104. Then you've got South Africa with 105 and Fiji with 106. And we've still got four uh, tournaments to go. Um, Steve, what do you reckon? Is is this as good as we're going to get and it's not good enough? Or do you think this is us on an upwards trajectory? I think we're slowly building... You know that, that people say that a lot, but I think you know you look at how the coaching structure happened with you know, Andy Friend coming in just before Sydney. So he's had what this is the third tournament, mm. uh, and he was with them in Wellington, of course. So um, obviously he's still getting to maybe understand a, a few of the guys, and they've mixed up the squads each each tournament they've played. So I guess there hasn't been that sort of consistency in terms of using the same players. And I think that's that's with an eye on Rio, obviously, working out who is going to be in the mix there. So um, I think, you know, it's looking good. You know, we, we can, we're matching it with the bigger teams for longer in the games. You know what I mean? Like, we've had some late losses. Um, usually, in, in the past, it could have been over by halftime. So I think it's a slow upward trajectory. Mm. Well, I mean, the numbers seem to say that if you just look at what that's been. And as you say, there's a market step up um, just in those last three games since Andy Friend's come on board. But also, you know, you've had the, the likes of Quaid 
coming on board as well. Um, have you seen a change here? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, we, we've gone from a third-tier sevens team, you know, one that was probably, you know, knock, knocked out in the quarterfinals was probably our best hope. Um, and, you know, occasionally we'd fluke a semi and then finals was rare as hen's teeth. Um, and we've moved up to be a sort of genuine, probably just just scraping into the first tier now, you know, alongside feed those three, Fiji, South Africa and New Zealand. And, and look, you know, we're not a gold medal favourite um, and it'll probably take a, a, a massive effort to get us one. But certainly where, you know, three months ago you would have said we were a long shot to get on the podium, you know, a real long shot to get on the podium. And, you know, a semi-final spot might be a best hope. Um, now, you know, we're a really good chance and we've beaten Fiji and we've beaten South Africa. And, you know, if we can beat New Zealand at some point in the next few weeks, I think in the next few tournaments, sorry, it'll be a massive mental boost for us. And and um, the influx of, of, of the, uh, you know, outside players, Quade Cooper and Tom Kingston and Boyd Killingworth and, and um, Henry Spate has had, a, has had a double-pronged effect because it's injected some really good players in. And, and you know, a few of those might not make, make it to Rio, but what it's also done is, is made our existing players really have to take a step up, and a lot of them have. You know, Lewis Hollands is in fantastic form at the moment. He's great to watch. And, and you know, a guy like Sam Myers and Alan Falaval um, have, have also made massive strides in the last couple of months as well. So it's great to see our established blokes stepping up yeah. uh, to, match, to match it with what the other outside guys are bringing in. Yeah, well, look, I mean, I think it's one of those things. Um, actually, I was uh, having a conversation with one of our followers, uh, Steve Condilius, um, uh, on uh, Facebook, through our Facebook Messenger, through our, the Green and Gold Rugby page. Um, and he was saying, I think he's based out in the States, if I'm right. And I think he's been trying to obviously follow what's been going on with this HSBC series. And he's just saying, look, it's really hard to follow. I mean, I really think, um, you know, especially as we kind of, gear into coming into Rio at the back end of this year, I think it's something that's just going to keep keep building. Um, so we're going to want to follow it more and more in Green and Gold Rugby. If there's anyone else out there like Steve who, you know, uh, maybe would want to be part of that, um, start writing about it or talking about it or whatever else, then get in contact um, either through the Facebook page or Twitter or leave a message at the bottom of this post. Um, but basically, um, we're hiring... Uh, for the you know with our usual fee of uh, bugger all slash nothing um you know to to get people involved and and, and talk about it because i think it's definitely something that's going to ramp up um as as the year goes on so just talking about what those uh the last four we've got honkers um is the next tournament singapore paris and then it finishes off in london um and then i guess it's um we're rio bound after that uh so anyway look that'll be interesting to see what the boys and whether they can keep heading in the right direction. Um, one side thing to that, I was talking to someone last night, um, actually, and I, look, I'll do a bit of a name drop here. I went along to the Sydney Rugby Business Network where Brett Gosper was talking. Um, and actually, I wasn't going to name, um, name drop in, in that I was talking to Brett Gosper. But um, I was having a chat with someone there, and we were just talking, and they were saying, have you noticed sort of the hard time that Fox is giving, um, Fox Sports is giving Quade Cooper? Has anyone else, had either of you guys picked that up that, he seems to be being demonised quite a bit um, for his role within the Sevens. No, uh, I haven't I, seen... I think he gets a bit of focus, but I, I admittedly didn't see too much of Vancouver, so I, could, I couldn't really tell you um, 
but yeah, that, that doesn't sound too unlikely. Okay. Well, anyway, look, um, so someone else had mentioned that to me, so keep your eyes out. Um, I don't know if, what sort of story that's kind of being uh, beaten up there, but uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see, especially what's that maybe Quaid's second tournament. Um, and I think the general consensus is that he's kind of, broadly speaking, holding his own. I saw that one, which was like he's supposed to be his blooper. I think it was in the U.S., um, where you know he was basically trying to offload right on the line, and then the uh, Fijians picked up the ball and went to the full length of the field. I'm not really sure you could say that was a massive blooper on his part. It was just a um, unfortunate turnover. Anyway, uh, look, the final point we're going to cover off tonight. Um, there's been this argument that's been rolling, and I, I didn't want to dredge up all the different points. Both um, Barbar wrote about it in great detail. I've written my bit. If you wanted to get into more detail, you can go into the forum and there's all sorts of stuff rolling on in there. So I didn't want to kind of unpick all of that, but just to step back and sort of say this whole shoot shield versus ARU stoush that's been going on, has it blown over or is it just taking a lull? Uh, Hugh, you've been right into this one. What do you reckon? Oh, look, I think it's taking a, it's taking a break. Um, and honestly, I hope the reason why it is taking a break is because the, the parties are fleshing it out, you know, behind closed doors. I think that's probably what's in everyone's best interest here. Um, whether that's happening or not, I've got no idea. Um, but um, I've, it's certainly not going to go away. It's, um, the ARU've still got to release their five-year plan and we're sitting with bated breath because it was supposed to be released in February and I, you know, think it's not going to be released anytime soon. So I think when it does, regardless of what's in it, I think, you know, there's going to be, there's going to be um, discussion. There's going to be um, some heated tempers, I think, because there's always people that are going to be left out or, or not given enough. And, and whether that's shoot, there's the shoot shield or whether that's somewhere else or whether the shoot shield get, you know, don't get anything or they don't get enough or they don't get exactly what they want. I, I think, I think we're going to hear about it. So Mm. Um, yeah, looks. I think there's certainly a lot to play out, but as I said, I hope I hope they're they're um, they're in discussions because um, it, I don't think it really serves anyone to have to have a really public, drawn out sort of slanging match between both parties. I think it just makes it look. I don't know. I don't think it's a great look for the game. Mm. Uh, Steve, you got a viewpoint on this one? Is it is it is it all over now, or are we going to see it again? Uh, like you said, I hope they're working it out, and I think it kicks off this weekend. Does it? So if if so, just let the rugby do the talking and um, leave the suits to sort it out behind closed doors. It's like it's, it's, no one's going to win if it gets in the public domain and there'll just be a, a mudslinging match and mm. no good that way. Yeah, I mean, this, that was an interesting thing. I think the final point we were just talking about in talking about how it's playing out in the press is that, you know, it's no... Um, you know, the, the, the ARU have sort of the default position in this, right, which is that if nothing happens, then... I mean, assuming that the five-year plan is as we believe it is, is that there's no cash going directly to the shoot shield, then that's the way it's going to be. So if it's in anyone's favour for this all to go away and be very quiet, it's the ARUs. Um, and therefore, you know that you know the shoot shield and the people who are invested in that, uh, Brett Papworth is a notable one, um, are going to try and kick up as much stink as possible. Um, we've had a discussion here about you know whether they've gone about it the right way and the right tone and the right arguments and all those sorts of things, and I think um, lots of people have weighed in on that. But I think definitely whichever way you cut it, um, it's going to favour one side, which is the ARU, for this thing to go away quietly, and it's not, that's not going to favour the shoot. So um, it's going to be interesting to see who can draw this, keep this going or not, um, as the case may be. Uh, righto. Well, look, that's... 
they're the top five. They're the top five burning issues. Um, if if you've got any that you think we've missed, why don't you stick them in the in the comments, and um, you know we'll come back and give our view as well, and we can we can have keeper stoush kind of rolling there, or hit us up on Twitter, however you however you want to do it. Um, it just leave- isn't it interesting? I'll, I'll butt mm. in quickly, Matt. But I mean, mm. the thing uniting, I think. Four of our five is, is, you know, the administrational side of, of Australian rugby. It's fascinating, isn't it? Across yes. so many levels at club, at ARU, at Super Rugby, there's so much going on, sort of in the boardrooms and, and in, in the admin that, that affects, you know, what goes on the field, um, you know, in a really explicit way every week. And, and you know, it's it's amazing. There's so many issues when actually our code, I got to say, is probably one of the better managed ones across Australian sport, and still so much going on every week. Yeah, it's really interesting you say that because um, I think backing up a point that you've made there is like Brett Gosper last night um, when he was asked about the shoot money and he said, look, I can understand, uh, you know, there's lots of passion and, and interest in that. But if you look at, you know, what the ARU, you know, what they've achieved recently. So from his point of view, which is, you know, well, you managed to get to second in the, uh, in the World Cup um, from pretty much a standing start. You've had the Waratahs, which have you know won uh, you know the Super Rugby recently, and you've been hitting the semi-finals with them and the Brumbies. You've got the Thunderbolts. You've just uh, run the Sevens, uh, Sydney Sevens, which has gone really well. The Thunderbolts, you know, who are really coming on. You've got you know the, probably the dominant team in women's Sevens. Um, you know, he was saying, look, you know, it's pretty hard not to say that they aren't kicking a lot of goals um, in that side of the performance. Um, I think probably what we're noting, though, is that maybe not surprisingly, when the bit of cash has turned up, um, that there's a lot of parties, you know, looking to put forward their arguments, you know, whether that's around the super rugby table. Um, and I must admit this, I've had a few people who are, you know, connected at high parts of the game saying, Matt, I know there's a lot of noise about the shoot shield, but the big, big story here is what's happening with those super clubs um, or those super teams and the black holes that they're all sitting on. And, you know, there's 15 million bucks earmarked extra to go into professional rugby, and that's just going to fall into a big hole of debt um, if things go the way a lot of people think it's going to go. So um, anyway, look, there's, there's, you know, money obviously always get, pricks up people's ears, right? And I think the fact that, you know, this money's around and it's not been divvied out yet, that strategic plan hasn't, you know hasn't hit the printing press or we haven't seen it. So I think there's still many people making their cases to, to get a, a slice of the pie. Um, just on that, when's our meeting with Pulver? Have we got, have we got some time for money set aside for us? Surely we, you know, <laughs> we're the definition of grassroots. <laughs> mm, I think I know the answer to that one. Um, <laughs> maybe not. Maybe not. Um, but I, I'm, I'm sitting by the phone, mate. I've got it. Open. He's, I've got it. on. <laughs> right. He's got my number. Uh, so if you know, I'm ready to pounce when it goes off. Um, anyway, look, just to, so what to look forward to this weekend. Um, here, are the, here are the games. We've got the, uh, the early match on Friday, which is always good to have an Aussie team in the early match. Hurricanes are taking on the force um, over there. So that's 5.30, um, sort of uh, Sydney time. Um, can, I just, can I just add in there, it's, it's mm. a real shame that John Lance is going to miss that game with a, yeah. um, a, a damaged head. No, no, he's, he's torn his pec, hasn't he? Oh, I thought that was the worst injury. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but seriously, he's out, is he? Yeah. 
Yeah, he's out for six weeks or something. It's oh, horrible. no. Oh, that's a bugger. He was just starting to... He was really looking good for them. Um, Falcons aside. Okay, and then we've got the Waratahs back in action. A Friday night game. Uh, there's a chance I might even get myself along to this one. Um, so they're, they're hosting the Highlanders. Uh, so sort of a repeat of the Sammy uh, from last year, which would be an interesting one to see. Um, Hugh, what are you expecting from this one? Are you going along? Are you covering this? No, unfortunately, I'm, I'm going to be up in the Hunter playing um, playing cricket with some mates. But, uh, yeah, just the, the, the rigours of my demanding schedule. Mm. Um, but, uh, oh, it's going to be a great game. I mean, I think there's a bit, absolutely revenge on the cards for the Waratahs, the way they were dusted, mm. the way they were belted by the Highlanders um, at home. I think there's going to be um, plenty of people wanting to make up for that one. So I, I'd look for a, a pretty fired-up Tars team. And, and, and the Highlanders... You know, have have looked pretty pretty decent in the early few weeks. So um, I definitely recommend everyone to get out there because it, it should be a sensational game. So, so you reckon the Tars will go out and just basically give away five penalties in a row and get two people sent off in the first half? Oh yeah, but it'll be for worthy causes. They'll someone will run a belt Aaron Smith, I think. Like <laughs> good penalties to give away. A great strategy from the Tars. Yeah, those last yeah, you know, but in the last fifteen minutes they'll really strike. You know, it'll, it'll pay off for them in the back end. <laughs> right. Okay. And then look into Saturday. You got the Bulls uh, with with the sh- Sharks. Oh, that's actually you know like uh, early Saturday morning, four in the morning. Sunwolves then ho- hold um, hosting the Rebels. Um, I think it's three in the afternoon. So there's something for you to watch. Um, Crusaders have got the Kings. Uh, that's at five thirty. Then you got the Reds hosting the Blues. Um, God, this could have mess all over it, one way or the other. Uh, Steve, you, you, you got any thoughts on what's going to happen in this one? Uh, I think the Reds might struggle again this week. You know, the Blues were doing their best to lose that last week's game against the Hurricanes, so I think Tano Imunga would have given them a good rev up. So mm. it'll be a very good match, I think. Yeah, a bit of jailbreak murder ball, as uh, Dismal Pillick calls it from the Blues. Um, then Sunday, you've got the Lions uh, with hosting the Cheetahs at 2 in the morning, and then the Stormers with the Brumbies uh, at quarter past 4. Are you going to be up with that one, Steve, with one of your kids? Yeah, uh, don't need to set the alarm with them around. So um, <laughs> it should be a good game over there. This is the third time the Brumbies have been to sunny Cape Town in the last two seasons, and obviously the Stormers will be out for revenge after... Uh, Brumbies belted them in that semi-final last year with that right. Joe Tamani hat trick in the first 20 minutes. So uh, there'll be no Nick White for them to boo this time. So um, they'll have to think of something else. I, that's probably the last time I saw the Stormers play. Um, uh, have you seen them, Hugh? You got any reason to have a view on this one? I haven't seen the Stormers. No, God no. Um, wouldn't put my th- put myself through that voluntarily. Um, <laughs> but. Um, Oh, Brumbies have got great track record in South Africa, as Steve mentioned. You know, they, yeah. they, they'll always jag a win over there, so I wouldn't be surprised if it's this one. Um, so, yeah, they've got a pretty fit-firing fit side, so you, you wouldn't put it past them. Yeah, let's, let's hope they keep it going. And then we've got the Jaguars um, hosting uh, the Chiefs, who've gone all the way to bloody uh, Argentina at the Estadio Jose uh, Amalfitani. I could not tell you where that was, but that's, that's uh, uh, Sunday breakfast rugby, isn't it? It is. It's eight forty in the morning. So there you go. Um, over your croissant or your, um, or your, you know, steak. <laughs> yeah, whatever it is that you have for your breakfast. So yeah, there you go. That's what's coming up. That's what we got this weekend. Um, well, thanks for coming on, guys. And um, like I said, uh, and thanks for everybody for listening. Any thoughts? Any other burning questions you've got? Throw them in the comments, throw them on Twitter, and we'll, uh, we'll sort them out for you there. But otherwise, see you next week. Thanks, guys.